my morning routine. Like when I was in the army, I'd wake up and within seven minutes or eight minutes, I'd be out the door in the car on the way to work. It takes me three hours some mornings to go from suppository getting put in to emptying my bowels to having a shower to getting back in bed to dressing myself and getting in my chair just to start the day. Mm. So like these are things that were so hard to adjust to that now I'm okay with. Hi guys, this podcast explores the importance of our connection, well-being and mental health. To reason with someone is to motivate them to do or accept topics, ideas and issues through discussion and having conversations. This podcast is for those that want to raise their awareness, change their perspective or just have a good time. My vision is to help people find reason to live, to grow and to understand. I do that through this podcast as well as counselling individuals that want to help themselves. No, no, no. No, he needs to know. I just think he's gonna talk and it's gonna make a lot of sense. Hold up. Wait a minute. Something ain't right. One man. One podcast. Three, two, one. Reason With Me podcast, episode 18. Welcome back, guys. Season four has been one hell of a ride. I'm really enjoying the guests that we've had on. Today, I want to introduce Joel Sardi. Joel is a C5 quadriplegic. He had an accident about six years ago. Joel talks really openly and honestly about his his journey so far. We, we talk about lots of different topics of connection, mental health, our well-being, how he has been through such adversity and the perception that he chooses to get through and the choice that he makes every day to keep on going on and to be able to just see life in a different perspective once he's now had to live in this new adaptive way of being. So I won't give too much away, but it's such an inspiring, very motivational and just a nice eye-opener for how we can choose to live our life and how we can get through adversity no matter what it is that we face. So welcome, Joel. <laughs> Joel, welcome to the podcast, man. Thanks, mate. How you doing? I'm doing really well. I'm super stoked to have you here. Um, we'll, get, we'll get straight into it, hey? Um, tell me, who the hell are you? And what's your story? What do you do? Well, funnily, funnily enough, my name is Joel. Um, I, I had an accident about four, six years ago that changed my life. But uh, since then, I've been on a bit of a journey of changing other people's lives and also learning a bit about life myself. Mm. Um, before then, I was in the army uh, for five years in the infantry, and that really shaped a lot of my character that, that I, I now sort of lean on today. Um, but you know, now I'm a, I'm a married man and about to have a child, and yes. you know, life is getting bigger and better for me. Man, that's so good. I um I saw that recent post that um yeah, of you guys, I guess you know, finding out that was so so nice. Um, because I think I watched the yeah. watched the video of you before, like just before that, of like you know, I get big as a bit of your journey. So it was like, oh yeah, you know, he's he made it. <laughs> he's he's not even married his kid yet. It's awesome. Yeah. Um. So. Yeah, man. Tell tell me tell me a bit more. Tell 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 me what the bit of that story and and how that all came to be. So you said six years ago, it was a bit of an accident you had. 
what what happened, man? Yeah, so I sustained a spinal cord injury uh, six years ago. I um I was at a, fu- a function for football and uh, I was on top of a flight of stairs and I fell over the hand railing, uh, fell onto my back and shattered my C5 vertebrae, uh, rendering me a quadriplegic immediately. So nothing from my chest down is functional. Um, and, you know, you, you think just by looking at me physically that, yeah, all right, your body doesn't work and you need a wheelchair to get around. But realistically, it's like the iceberg. You know, it's only the tip of the problem. Mm. Uh, the rest of it beyond below the surface. And, and we're talking about the mental struggles, the emotional uh, strain it puts on my family. Uh, but then also inside my own body, like the, the challenges I cop, that would be like I can't regulate my temperature. So why I'm wearing a scarf and a hoodie and a puff jacket inside a car uh, just to stay warm. In the summer, I can't sweat. So I always, I mean, I can overheat very easily. So once it hits about 25, 26 degrees for a long period, I'll overheat. Um, you know, I'm incontinent, so I can't control my bowel or bladder. Uh, and there's no sexual function, which, you know, for a young man is, is, is debilitating or is really, really shit to really, uh, to accept. Um, and along with the, the no, no movement comes atrophy. So my muscles deteriorate. Now, for someone that knew me before my accident, you know, I was physically you know, fit. I loved the gym. I had a, you know, a fair bit of muscle around my body. Now, just all skin and bones. Mm. And that's another one of those adjustments I've had to come to accepting and sort of uh, come to love about myself, I think, because that's me and it, it will be me now forever. Mm. Uh, for so long, I was always fighting with like how I used to be and how I am now. and But now I'm you know i'm okay with that yeah man so i think that that, i mean it's a good analogy the iceberg like it creates such a reality for people because we see people i guess in in wheelchairs all the time and and yeah i guess we do feel like oh you know that's a shame i wonder what happens sort of thing but then i don't know how many people stop and think how many other things and how much that ripples out into someone's life um yeah 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 like that, that ripple effect i haven't really spoken much about but um when someone dies it's not just the person that dies it's obviously affected but the people around them and they, their friends and their network um and when i had my accident same thing i'm not saying obviously i didn't die but you know, to say that i'm the only one going through this would be really selfish because my mum and dad had to sacrifice so much my girlfriend my uncle my brother uh, my mates, uh, you know, we, we all had to, we all had a bit of an injury that day and, and we've all sort of come to terms with it and started to live with it. Hmm. A lot of the time recovery isn't just about um, one person. In fact, if it was, we wouldn't have a lot of people come through and, and you know, be able to be in that journey of recovery. Yeah, yeah. It definitely takes a village. It takes a village to raise someone and to get through it. Yeah. So six years, my man, imagine that's been a massive whirlwind. Like where, and I imagine it's changed over time too, but where do you pull your strength to keep going with the, the attitude and the, the gratitude that you have? Uh, I, I, I think that there's so many people behind me. Like I've got my parents, sacrificed so much growing up 
Uh, so when we were growing up, my brother and I, to give us the opportunities we had to send me to a good school and to let me play any sport I wanted, there was nothing we missed out on. Mm. Um, and even more so after my injury and my girlfriend who hands down has been absolutely incredible from day one and everybody that knows Elisa and is now my wife knows how amazing she has been and, and she's got an amazing family of uncles and aunties and cousins and her mum and dad and her brother so like there's been so many people behind me moving me forward and I mean my first fundraiser I had which was probably eight months after my injury there was like 500 people there so like I've never been ever been alone in this mm. so it's been very very easy to keep going and it's never really been to me to just quit like yeah I've had my moments where I say I can't, I can't do it and uh, throw my hands in the air and cry and, and crack the shits for a few hours but that sort of disappears and you know accept what, what is and, and just keep moving forward mm. but also the, the thing that I get my strength from as well you know our army training yeah giving up was never an option and it didn't matter how sore we were or I just always think about PT. When we'd be in PT, we'd be getting absolutely flogged by the PTI and it didn't matter how sore you were, they always expected you to go further and further because they knew that you could go further. Mm. And like now, like I know that I can always push through, oh, you know, I shit my pants or it took me ages to get ready this morning or I can't go hang out with my mates because I've got a bladder infection. Or just, you know, a myriad of things because of my injury that impede my lifestyle. Mm. I just pop it on, I have to cop it on the chin now. and mm. It just is, it is that, yeah. Yeah. And it, yeah, I think that, that's really important. It's like there's, there's an, a massive element of, of, I guess, the people that are around you that are supporting you in this, which is obviously a massive element of strength that, but again, you know, there's elements of just that. I don't know your ability to be able to do that in your mind, you know, no one's in there with you, you know, that's mm-hmm. all you, man. And, um, that's, that's a, you know, a tough place to be sometimes, as you said, and I think coming out on top of that and yeah, of course, man, we're human. We're going to have our bad days, bad moments, but you choose not to let that beat you at the end of the day. And that's, that's tough. And that's, you know, resilience, I guess for you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, everybody has a choice every morning when they wake up and my choice could be to lay in bed and, and wallow in my sorrow and ask why me like I did early days, but that only gets me one place and that's in that same place I was when I started whinging. Right. And I miss out on things and the world doesn't stop just because Joel's feeling sorry for himself or because someone's not feeling good today. Like mm-hmm. Those opportunities are going to be missed. So mm-hmm. I'd rather be witnessing them and be there in a wheelchair as a quadriplegic than be in bed feeling sorry for myself. Hmm. So this podcast essentially is all about connection, mental health and well-being. That's, I guess, the the big crux of what we end up talking about. And I guess what I wanted you on for is really to, to look more into the psychological side of, of your injury and, and the journey that's been, because I think that's, that's missed that's missed with any injury and, and a lot of trauma events, um, you know, you know, even this pandemic that we're going through, a lot of the psychological side of thing is missed about how people are coping and how people are dealing with their stuff. So when we, when we look at, when we look at your journey and the things that you've gone through, 
I guess I'll start with the, the mental, the mental health side of things. What's that been like for you and, and, and how has it shaped the way, paved the way for today? Uh, so the mental health journey, uh, I, I put myself through a lot of hell for the first four years of my injury. Um, and I didn't really identify or, uh, like I didn't really know why I was doing the things I was doing or why I kept behaving the way I was until I actually saw a psychologist. Yeah. Um, you know, there was early days where I was feeling sorry for myself. So I just set my goals. And I got through them. I got through like the hard days and I was able to set long-term goals and achieve some of those things. But then to talk about like the mental health side of things, um, you know, when I would go out, I'd never feel comfortable in my wheelchair. I couldn't wait to leave. I'd sit in the corner uh, so no one would see me or I'd be against the wall. So I'd be the smallest shape possible and no one would notice me. Um, or if I was in an area where I couldn't, you know, use those vices, I'd get absolutely obliterated drunk. So I wasn't, you know, conscious of where I was or what was going on. Um, so then mm. after a few of those um, episodes, it kept happening and happening and happening to the point where I wouldn't want to leave the house. I went and saw a psychologist and got help for that. Um, but then early days with, with my injury, um, there was a lot of adjustment. So the, the adjustment from being the, the confident, competent, um, let's just say soldier because that's what my job was. Mm -hmm. uh, but really, as a young man about to start his life and I thought that life was only getting better and it, and it was and it still is. But as soon as I had my accident, everything was stripped away from me Yeah. and everything that I thought was good about life had was gone, you know, like that. The ability to wake up on a Saturday morning after a week of work and think, you know, I've got the next few hours before footy, I'm going to, get into my clothes, trackies, whatever, comfortable clothes, go for a walk down to the cafe, order a pastry, have a coffee, sit there, eat it, drink it, call mum and dad, walk back home, pack my own footy gear, slowly make my way down to footy and, you know, play a game. And that, that was like the things I really loved about life, the independence and the fact that I was on my own doing all that. Mm -hmm. And then when I broke my neck, um, I, said, I, I couldn't even scratch my face for the first few days. And I couldn't feed myself, yeah, definitely couldn't dress myself. Mm. And it was these simple things I could have just touched on that were really, that was so hard to come to grips with. Mm. And I'm cool with them now, six years on, I'm, I'm fine with it. But early days, that transition and adjustment was, was absolute hell. And one of the other comparisons I draw on when I do my speech is like the my morning routine. Like when I was in the army, I'd wake up and within seven minutes or eight minutes, I'd be out the door in the car on the way to work. It takes me three hours some mornings to go from suppository getting put in to emptying my bowels to having a shower to getting back in bed to dressing myself and getting in my chair just to start the day. Mm. So like these are things that were so hard to adjust to that now I'm okay with. Yeah. And that, that was like, that was a massive strain on, I suppose, yeah, my mental health early days. Yeah. And, and how did you become okay with it? What did you do? Uh, I don't know. I, I don't think it was like a, you know, a bandaid or a simple thing that I did that saved it. But I think I just accepted that this was life and this is how it was going to be. And 
instead of fighting with what I couldn't do, I needed to accept what I could do and you know, also accept that what what had happened, like my injury, my fall, and that old Joel was in the past and that wasn't me. That, that was a different person. You know, wheelchair Joel is a new person and, and the wheelchair life is a new life. I need to accept because I'll, I'll be fighting this battle in my head for the rest of my life. Yep. About like, I wish I could do this. I wish I could do that. That that would kill me. So I slowly came to grips and came to accept what was the new normal. Hmm. Like I was saying, I come to accept like how I, how I physically look, like the the skinny legs and the skinny body and the the, the no definition of muscle in my arms or everything like that. Hmm. Yeah. So acceptance, and then I guess coming into the reality of this is me, and that was you know that was then, and this is now sort of mind frame and again i guess the the challenge and acceptance that yes this is going to be the battle that i have in my head so i can make it worse by dwelling on it or i can ease it by accepting and and sort of being okay with who i am now yeah 100 percent. like the to go back to like my, my school days i remember a teacher taught me like the term what if is the biggest killer like what if I didn't go to that function that night? I wouldn't have fallen down the stairs. You know, what if what, no one knows what could have happened. And that, that mindset of, oh, I wish I could do things like I used to be, it sort of falls under that same umbrella of what if. You can't mm. control it. Yeah. And you'll fight that battle or I'll fight that battle in my head for the rest of my life if I don't just drop it and cut it out. Mm. I think that, you know, you were forced, you were forced to decide these things as well. You know, you talk about choice. I think that's, that's so true. We wake up and we have a choice every single day, but you're sort of forced into change and forced into the reality of something completely different. And that is the case for some people, you know, going through every, you know, crisis and, and different, different things that happen in the world or whatever that impact them, but then it, it passes um, at times um, or, or we learn to, overcome it and stuff like that. But I mean, for you, it's, it's, it, the reality is, is that's the same every day. So that choice yeah. is, is an yeah. everyday thing. And that choice is really important as to whether you're going to be okay or whether you're going to be a fucking blob piece of shit and hate yourself, you know, like yeah. that, that yeah. the reality is, is that, you know, that's tough. And that, that's a toxic sort of person to be around someone who's, like you said, you know, blab piece of shit that doesn't want to do anything. They feel sorry for themselves, and yeah, um, that 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 rubs off on people. And no one wants to be around someone like that. Oh, well, then you lose your strength, right? Because then you lose the support and the people that are around you. You know, and that's you know, yeah, and they're the most important parts. Yeah, support yeah. them. Hmm. So, tell me about some of the, the things that this has brought for you. Like in terms of connection, we talk about connection being, you know. I guess what adversity and what um, you know acceptance is, can create in terms of the connection we make with others and connection we make with ourselves. Can you talk a little bit about that as a whole? Yeah, yeah. So when I had my accident, uh, there were people that separated themselves from me, and then there were also people that got closer and really bonded a lot more with me, and. Then I also came to meeting other people that had gone through adversity and hardship and 
and really bonding over our, our adversity together, mm. whether it be other spinal injuries or other in, like really debil- debilitating injuries. Um, so then that like, formed a lot of new relationships with me. But then I've also learned that being open with, with large numbers of people in my talks and talking about my struggles and my weaknesses and sometimes like I can't help myself, I, I break down a bit. And I think I've learned to, to show my weaknesses. Mm. And I've learned that, not that I ever thought that it, like, I had that macho mindset, but you know, the whole crying thing, it's fine to cry. Yeah. It's natural. And um, like just going through those experiences and talking about my challenges with other people, I don't know, you just see another aspect to a relationship with, with people. And even uh, a friend I've known for nearly 20 years opened up to me a few months ago about something like, I won't say what it was or who it was, but told me a condition they had purely because, I don't know, they felt they could connect with me and talk with me because I had, I'd gone through all this adversity. Mm. So it's, yeah, it's opened up new relationships in my, in my life and, People sometimes say that they're they're better off after their injury, and I've always called bullshit on that. Like, how could you have a better life after your injury? But there's truth to it. There's not the whole concept is true, but there's truth to it. Hmm. I think that it sounds like you know you you learn to be vulnerable with it, and while through vulnerability, you know you can connect and get people to connect to you in a really different and more meaningful way. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I always thought that being a man was all you could do physically, and and how you were perceived, and and how how you stood physically, um, you know, in stature. And then after mm. my injury, all of that was stripped. It was all gone. Mm. And then I started to learn that I could still be that that man figure uh, in in my family's life, and also for Elisa, I can I, I support her more these days emotionally than I used to. You know, I may not be able to do anything physically, but it's it's more about what I can do up here than it is right. down there. You know, like below below the head, and it's all about you know, how, how I express my emotions and how we talk. Um, yeah, because that's so much more powerful and so much more effective. Hundred mm. percent. I think that. I mean, at the end of the day, the physical side of things isn't 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 ideal but if your emotions are fucked with that as well and your psychological health is also you know shot shot like yeah it's, it's not manageable at all man so i think that, that no. that's, that's awesome the fact that you can um get to a point and come through this stuff but then also have like the emotional intelligence with that you've gained from it as well and being able to connect more like you know, I think that that's awesome. I think that's such so powerful as well that, you know, now you have a better understanding of yourself than you did before. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. I never used to say I love you to my uncles or family as much as I do now. And I never used to say I'm sorry or I'm not that good at it now. I still do it uh, and I'm getting better at it, which is good. You know, there's plenty of upside to that. I can always get better at it. But uh, it never used to come out of me. I was always told how stubborn I was. Mm. But now you, you become more emotionally aware of, of your surroundings and mm. yeah, it becomes that's, a bit more natural. Well, that, I mean, that, that makes up, I would say, I, you know, more than 50% of us, if we're, you know, half physical, half, you know, psychological, like really everything we do, but relies on the way that we think about everything. And, 
it's yeah. perception. Yeah, so yeah. we're all about exactly. It's all about perception. So yeah. the, the growth in that is, is insane. So where where are you at in your journey? Like, what's next for you? Like, is it where does it sit now? You sound uh, like you're man, in my life. Yeah, yeah, I I am, mate. Like Jackson, my life is about to become, I think, amazing. Yeah, and I'm about yeah. to become a father. Remember, um, I I had a moment yesterday. I only freaked. I freaked out. I was I was thinking to myself, like, how am I going to be? Like, I'm Joel that you know lives his own life, that watches basketball and um, drinks beer at the pub with his mates sometimes, or whatever. It just does what Joel wants to do, and. Now there's going to be this baby that wants to do what the baby wants to do in my yeah. life. He's yeah. fortunately going to evolve from that. I thought, shit, like that was a bit of a wake up yesterday because we're only 12 weeks away now. Shit. Um, so like that, that's where I'm at on that level. But with my, my journey, uh, with my, my talks, I'm in a really exciting place at the moment. There's businesses around the country that need to, I don't know, learn a bit about perspective and resilience and, They've come to myself to do some talks and facilitate some some meetings for them, and I've added new workshop components to my talk and a new aspect that um, I'll open up on on my next talk. And I just think like it's a really exciting time, and Elisa and I are working really well together because she does all the the management side of things and and the paperwork and the, also the website. And it's just I don't know a really exciting time for for Joel's journey in the speaking space. Yeah, man. I mean, that's so good. And that's really, yeah. yeah. I think that's just the ability to be able to not only have the resilience that you have and get through the days that you get through, but then also share some of that perception and, and adversity with others is, is, is really powerful and such good, good work, which is so cool. Yeah. Yeah. I really enjoy it. The, the gold is when well, I call it the gold, you know, like when it, one of the people I've spoken to puts their hand up and shares their story of adversity. And, you know, they break down saying it, which is even more powerful yep. to hear and to witness. Hmm. And their colleagues don't know that. Their colleagues of four or five years or more don't know this story about this individual. Hmm. And it brings the workplace closer together because this person's opened up to their vulnerabilities, opened up their vulnerabilities to the whole workplace. And yeah, that's the magic. That's it. That's magic, man. I love that. I think that the fact that you, the fact that you're doing that for yourself and being able to say, I can say, I love you now. I can, you can, I can support your wife emotionally, but then not only being able to do that in your own world, but then sort of mirror that and demonstrate that into these talks that allow the ripple effect to happen yeah. in the opposite way and yeah. provide like a massive impact in people to be able to be vulnerable, be able to share and be able to get, you know, not see it as such a stigmatizing thing, but to see adversity as a you know opportunity for growth. Exactly. Yeah, it's it's an opportunity to grow uh, and blossom as a person. Mm. It's it's not it's not a cripple. Sorry, it's not, not a cripple. It's not a crutch. You know, it's 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 an opportunity. Mm. Yeah, and it may sound a bit hippie and like really super optimistic and unrealistic, but it really is. It really is, especially now, like with this, this lockdown like i've loved it i've absolutely loved it yeah. i've spent i've spent every day with elisa or my mum and dad or her mum and dad or with people i want to spend time with mm. i haven't spent time in traffic or haven't spent time in the office um, you know, hating life or any, complaining about it like it's 
it's been a challenge, but it's been so much fun because there's been so many opportunities presented to me. You know, like you and I wouldn't be speaking now if we weren't in lockdown. Yeah. There's no doubt I'd be at work or you'd be at work or I'd be at rehab and this yeah. just wouldn't happen. Yeah, well, that's it. And I'm so grateful for that, man, because I think it's, it's been so good so far. So let's let's wind down a tiny bit. Tell me, you mentioned, you know, basketball, but what do you do for self-care? Like what's non-negotiable for Joel um, that, that you do, that, I guess, you know, fill your cup back up? Um, to fill my cup back up, mate, um, I make sure I'm in touch with my family every day, whether it be my mum, my dad, my uncle, uh, my brother or whoever, I just feel like that connection to my family is so important. Mm. Even if it's a two-minute call where we don't really hit much, just to hear their voice. Mm. Family is really important to me and um, and to step away from that discipline. Mm. Uh, discipline in everything I do, discipline in, in work, uh, in my exercise, not cutting corners or in my diet. Like I apply discipline to every element of my day and it sort of allows me to know that like I can be in control of what I eat. I can be in control of how long I work for. I can be in control of how many rounds I do in my workout. There's a lot of things I'm not really in control of with my body. Hmm. So it just gives you a little bit of a sense of confidence and, and control. Hmm. Well, it's funny you mentioned how um, independent you used to be, but it sounds like Joel still does what Joel wants to do, man. <laughs> like <laughs> you know, There's a few things that you can do, which is good. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> it's all about my yeah. perception. Yeah, exactly. Oh, that's good. So, I mean, hopefully one day you write a book. Uh, but what would a go-to be? No pressure. What would a book be? Yeah. Like a go-to book be? I don't know. You've had six years of, I guess, coming to, to age and coming to where you are now. Um, and obviously yeah. your whole life. But has there been like an inspiring book or something that's really um, helped guide you? Um, funnily enough, I'm, I'm known very well uh, for starting a book and reading 20% of it and putting it down and never finishing it. Guilty. So, yeah. That's it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so I've, I've sort of ventured more so to podcasts, as everyone uh, likes to as well. Um, I, I like listening to the Rich Dad podcast, mm-hmm. um, just understanding a bit about the world economy and where we're at and, and finance because I like to uh, dabble a bit in the stock market. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the... That's my entertainment and my, I suppose, my book. Sorry to let you down with that one. That's fine, man. I like that. I actually think that's a, because you're right, dude. I got to wake up. Everyone's doing podcasts now. I should probably ask what's your favorite book or podcast, but that's good. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. I think the, yeah, I've had that a few times, man, because I can't, I can't read very well. <laughs> that's why I get everybody else to tell me their go-to books. <laughs> one day I might read them. Um, if I can, yeah. the books that I read, um, in succession and so ironic was, uh, the Ben Cousins book. Yep. Uh, and that book was probably looking back full of maybe mistruths. Um, the James Heard book, his autobiography, and then there was the Essendon saga that followed. Um, I'm not saying he was to blame, but you know, there seemed to be a bit of adversity following these people or controversy. Uh, and then the Lance Armstrong book. <laughs> so, uh, three athletes. I was chooser. <laughs> no, no, they're all gifts to me as well because I'd injured my back. I was in hospital, and people bought me these books. Like, here, Joel, read these books. Get you back on on the bike. It was the Lance Armstrong? You know, it was get you back on the bike. Get you back on your feet and moving. 
I thought, yeah, this bloke's amazing. And I felt invincible after reading it. And I got the Ben Cousins one and the James Heard one. And I thought, oh, Jesus, <laughs> i got to stop reading these biographies. And- oh, God. Oh, that's funny. Well, yeah, I mean, they, they, they probably don't pay the way for, for yeah. maybe a good reason why you stop reading or don't read the books anymore. Oh, they're a good story. I'll give them that. A yeah. good story. Yeah, they've, they've done some things. Um, <laughs> um, but it's good. It's good to hear that you, um, you're still passionate about sport and stuff like that. I think that's, um, you know, also another thing that's really important. Um, yeah. So, Joel, where can people find you at the moment? Like if, if, if businesses, organizations, or just people want to, I guess, follow your, your journey. Well, how can we, how can we get in touch and how can we um, find you? Uh, best way would be through Instagram. It's joels.journey. Mm-hmm. And then all the details are there. There's like the link, link in my bio to go to my website and uh, uh, there's more information there. All right, cool. Well, I'll put that up on my website and Hi, Jackson, no worries. Thank you. And stuff that you so much for, for being on Joe. It's such an honor to have you here. And, and um, yeah, I guess thanks for sharing your story. It's super, super inspiring. It's always great to hear something different in terms of perception. Yeah, thanks for, thanks for the time, Jackson. Have a nice morning. Do you want to find out more about how therapy can help you kick some goals? Go check out finereasontherapy.com.au or the Fine Reason Therapy Instagram page.